0: Welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. So, today I want to talk to you about the attitude of faith. I'm reading to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 9. So, if you have your Bible, turn there. And it's always good to have your Bible. Turn to your neighbor and say, It's good to have your Bible. 1 Corinthians 9:24 through 27, and read it along with me as you see it on the screen. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Father, we thank you for your word today. Lord, literally, I ask you to take this word and establish it in our hearts. God, help us, Heavenly Father, to grow today. We didn't just come to church to hang out. We didn't come to church just to fellowship, even though that's a great part of it. We came here today because we want to encounter you. We came here today because we want to give you the worship that's due to you. We we came here today because we want to lift up your name and exalt you and declare that you are the only one true God. But, Heavenly Father, we also want to encounter your presence. We want to encounter your spirit. We want you to touch us in a significant way. We want you to take your word and move in our lives, God. We need you. If we ever needed you, we need you right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on. Let's give God a hand clap of praise, and then you can be seated. Jesus is good, isn't he? I love this passage of Scripture, and uh, it's, it's so important that we understand it and we learn it. And sometimes we don't talk about these things as much as we ought to. But the Apostle Paul is teaching very clearly here what our attitude should be, what our mentality should be about this walk we have, this relationship we have in Jesus. And let's not make a mistake about it. This is not a religion, this is a relationship. God did not come, Jesus did not come to create a religion, He came to create. A relationship. Now, I'm not saying that the actual religion of Christianity is bad or wrong. I'm saying we can't treat our relationship with God in a religiosity way or a religious way. This isn't just about a structure. This isn't just about a system. This is about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, who is the son of the living God. Amen. And he, his spirit has been sent to us to guide us and to teach us And so today, I want to just take this passage of Scripture and help you understand what it is Paul is trying to tell us. And he says in the Scripture, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? So he's giving us the imagery here, which Paul did a lot, of athletics. He's saying everybody runs in a race. Everybody's running to win. But only only one gets to win. And then he says everyone who competes in the games, goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and, and make it obey. I, be, I want to be that person who's not disqualified because I'm not doing what I'm telling everybody else to do. He tells us in this passage of Scripture, run to win. And there's a big difference between running to finish and running to win. And a lot of times I think in our minds as Christians, we think run to finish. I'm just going to get there. I'm just going to make it through. We treat our relationship with Jesus as if it's some kind of fire insurance to keep us from going to hell at the end of our life or whenever that comes. And so if I just, if I say some prayer at the beginning uh, I mean in a church setting somewhere and I ask Jesus to come into my life and I confess something in front of people then that, that ensures everything is fine. But that is really not how this works at all. It's only part of it. It's only the beginning of it. And this is a race we're in and Paul is telling us it's not just a race you want to finish. It's a race you want to win. And then he goes on and tells us that here's how you win. If you want to be one of those that win the race, then here's how you win. You train. You train. You develop. You grow. You become that person who embraces what it's going to take to accomplish what it is you're trying to accomplish. And so many of us, we run to finish, and it causes us to fall into this category of a person who's beating the air. We're going through the motions. We're running just to be running, but we're not running to win. And running to win, I'm going to define for you today, and I'm going to help you understand it, not just what it means to run to win as an individual, but what it means to run to win as a church. That God wants us to run, but he doesn't just want us to run. He wants us to run to win. Everybody say it with me. Say, run to win. Uh, I remember a few years ago, I was probably 43 years old. We were at a men's retreat. And this was not here. It was before we came here. And I, and I remember that I was, I was just in the midst of doing this new thing. We were doing this cleanse. And so I was eating things that were just like what rabbits eat. And I, and, and I was eating the silly things and crazy things. And, and I was just trying. To, it was one of those fad things that we all got on. I don't know why we did it, but we did it. And, uh, and, and so I was going through this, but we were there. And and and, and uh, you know it's a men's retreat. You know it's 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 a bunch of men, a lot of testosterone, and and I was walking around the corner, and about there was about 150 yards there. Now you have to understand. I may not look it now, but I used to be really fast. <laughs> I used to really could run. I would try it now. But you know, I run regularly. I run long distances. But I, I'm telling you, I, right now, if I were to try to just sprint off of here, there we would just—I would just—it'd be a hamstring pull, or it would be some kind of—it just—it's just not. I, I, I'm gonna have to train myself back into running fast. But th- I was only 43. That was 10 years ago. Well, I bet—I bet I was 38, really, because because it was several years before we came here. So, see, years get away from you. So. I literally, these guys, we came around the corner, and there was these two teenagers. And, 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 and I came around this corner, and there was the, 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 like, cafeteria was at the end of this street. And there were, it was like in an old western town. So there were houses and west, you know, it was just so, man, I felt like, a, it was like a gunfight. And so I walked around the corner, and then these two tani- teenagers walked around the same time I did. And they looked at me, and I looked at them. We're doing this, you know, with each other. I don't know what this means, but we do it a lot. I was like, hey. And one, the one teenager said, you, you want to race? Now, let me just tell you, I'm competitive. And even today, if a teenager came up to me and said, do you want to race? I would race. I would do it. I would hurt myself severely, but I would do it because I can't stand the thought of being beaten in a race. So, so we turned that corner, and I said, well, of course I want to race. And they said, Let's go. Let's do it. And I said, "All right." So when who's going to say start? I mean, I'm ready. And they say, "Go." And I'm telling you, I took off like, y'all, it was like I took off like y'all, it was like lightning. <laughs> if you've ever seen the Flash, I was flying. I mean, my leg, it was the best run I'd ever had in my life. It was just one of those I will I am purposed to show these young whippersnappers that they cannot beat me. I still got it. I still got it. So I ran, and I i mean, I flew, and I, I beat, to this day, this is not a joke, I'll get a text every once in a while from one of those guys, and he'll say, you remember that time you beat us running at the, th-? yeah, I remember, I remember, boy. You know, what they didn't see, though, do you know what they didn't see is they went on in the cafeteria. My, my room was right to the left, and as soon as they walked into the cafeteria, my face, all the blood just went out. I could feel how ashen I was. It was so bad. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to pass out right here in the street. So I went into my, my room, and I laid down, and I said, you better give me something to eat. I haven't had anything good to eat. Give me something to eat. And so I had to get something to eat. And the reason was, even though I ran, I had not trained to run. I wasn't ready for what the opportunities that was available to me. And sometimes we just go through the motions in our Christianity and we 're expecting God to put opportunities in our way we 're expecting God to bring us to a place of good prosperity and winning and having great victory and that is what God wants for you by the way. God wants you to have victory god doesn 't want you to be defeated god doesn 't want you to be overcome god doesn 't want you to be beat down. God wants you to have hope He wants you to have faith He wants you to walk in joy and peace and love and victory over the devil and victory over the world and victory over the circumstances because that's who God is and that's what God does he gives us the power and the ability to overcome the Bible says be understand this you're living in a sinful fallen world and you're going to receive tribulation John tells us in 1833 of John he says you're going to have tribulation but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world there's a thought I want you to remember. I heard someone say this the other day, and unfortunately, I can't remember who it was, so i can't I can't give them uh, credit for this, but i I'll, I'll just say that uh, I'll just say that someone else said it, and next time I say it, I'll just say that I said it and so uh <laughs> but it, it really spoke to me casual Christianity creates Christian casualties. You know we're living in a time where I'm going to be honest that Christians, we've we've kind of become lax some some ways spiritually. We've kind of, you know, we've kind of, we'll pray when we get to it. Uh, we'll study when we get to it. We'll, we'll go to church when we can get to it. We'll, we'll give when we can get to it. We'll serve when we can get to it. And it's like we've taken on this casual way of serving God. You know, it's like, I, I want to serve God. I want to, I love God. And I want to do what God wants us to do, but yeah, you know, it's whatever, whatever. And the truth is that is not how this works. That is not how God calls us to be as Christians. He calls us to be dedicated and committed. You remember when Jesus was calling the disciples, didn't he even say, "Uh, if you want to follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Didn't he even go as far to say, if you put your hand to the plow to follow me and you look back, you're not worthy of the kingdom. We forget sometimes how of a a dedicated and committed thing this is following Jesus with our whole heart. I think sometimes we need to have a regular, That's I want to tell you one of the reasons we do uh, communion every week is to remember what Jesus did for us. Because it's good for us as believers to put our lives juxtaposed to what Jesus did. In other words, let, drop the background of the price that Jesus paid for our salvation up against our casual Christianity. And cause us to go, if he can give his life for me, I can live my life for him. It just really just means God's first. It just really means God is central. God is most important. Well, I don't, you know, is it really, does this really help me? Is this really important? Is this really, how come it's always just about what helps you? (laughs) Now, it's funny how parents will look at me when they've said that to their kids this week. But they'll look at me funny when I say it to them. Amen, y'all. Sometimes we we, we see it in other people, but sometimes isn't that how we approach God? We kind of approach God in, it's not about God, I trust God for my everyday life. Sometimes it's when I really have something bad that I don't think I can handle, then I'll trust God. Or then I'll go to God and ask Him to help. But God's saying like, I'm your father. I'm your dad, and I want to he- help. I want you to know you can trust me. You can rely on me. You can do this in your life. I want to just say this before I continue that. That's why we're given the Sabbath. That's why we're given the Sabbath, the time to stop. You know, a lot of times we look, Jesus said he gave that commandment because or, or father, father God said he gave that commandment because on the seventh day he rested. But if you look at the word rested, it's not just about rest. God doesn't need physical rest. I think we're all aware of that. It's it. it, The word rested really just means stop. He stopped creating. He stopped working and he was doing it to model for us that we need to stop at times. And so in our lives, we get so busy and so distracted that we need to stop. I'll I'll tell you that, you know, it's really something we need to do every once in a while. But truthfully, God wants us to do it every week. And you say, well, you know, our world is different than it was back then. Yeah, it's way busier. And technology, wasn't technology supposed to make that less and not more? But it made it more instead of less? Come on, somebody. How many of you ever just feel tired? And we think it's only, listen, can I just tell you, it's not just about managing your time. God is not trying to just teach you how to manage your time. God's trying to teach you how to trust him. Because what he was saying to the children of Israel way back in the day when he would say, every week I want you to stop and no work. And then he would say, every seventh year I want you to let the land rest, no work. And then every 50th year it's debt freedom and everybody goes back to reset and it's stop, everybody stop. And why? Why? Because what he's saying to us is we're not built To handle all of this pressure that we put on ourselves. And then also, he's teaching us, you need to trust me. He was saying to the Israelites, don't work on uh, uh, the Sabbath because here's the deal. You need to just trust that I'm going to take care. If you'll give me that one day, I'll take care of the other six days. You don't have to worry. You don't have to fret. You're not going to lose something. You know one of the greatest examples of this in our culture right now? You know what it is? Chick-fil-A. Everybody say Chick-fil-A. Close on Sunday. You're my Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. Why? Well, they're Christians, but they, they close on Sunday. Why? Because they're honoring God and they're stopping. They don't, want their, they don't want their teams working. They don't want their staffs working. Why? Because they're saying, we trust God. Do you realize they don't just lose money on that? They have to pay money to do that. If they're in a mall, you have to pay. You have to come up with an agreement. You can't just say, I'm not going to pay for that date. No. You, it costs them to do that. But how many of you realize they're doing pretty good? Why? Why? Because the blessing of God is on them. Why? Because they've said, God, we trust you that if we shut down one day a week to just honor you, you're going to take care of us financially. Sometimes we think our family's not going to be okay if we're not going, going, going. Our money's not going to be okay if we're not going, going, going. I don't know why I stopped here for a moment, but I need you to hear me. Casual Christianity is created because we're not stopping we're just going down the moat. you know there's a scripture i read this morning in john in our reading if you're reading with us today i, I read a scripture and it talked about remain it's talked about the vine and the branches and he said remain in me jesus said it like seven times in that passage of scripture remain in me remain in me if i remain in you and you remain in me if my words remain in you and you remain in me you can ask what you will and it shall be done for you wait 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 what you can ask what you will and it shall be done for you. That's, it says that? Yes. But what's the prerequisite for that? You remaining in him, his word remaining in you. Well, the word remain is not some passive action. It's active. It's it's moving, it's 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 saying, I will focus on him and not allow la- anything to pull my focus from him. This is why the Bible tells us that he is in perfect peace, whose eyes are stayed or focused on you. In other words, we have some growing to do, some commitment to do. Casual Christianity creates Christian casualties. People who fall by the way, people who don't follow Christ, who people who end up rejecting their faith and walking away from God altogether. This is what happens when we are casual about our Christianity. Are you with me this morning? Yeah. So here's a thought, running to win is different than running to finish. There are four things that are required In order to run to win. Number one. Your attitude must be intentional. Everybody say that word with me, intentional. Intentional. So here are three ways to have an intentionally winning attitude. Number one, say it and do it. The Apostle Paul was adamant, look, I'm not going to live my life. And then at the end of it go, I was just going through the motions And I preach to everyone else, be dedicated, be committed to Christ, but I'm not doing it myself. So his life was all about saying it and doing it. Everybody say it with me, saying it and doing it, action, following through. If we're going to run to win, our attitude must be intentional And intentionality is all about saying it, but it's also about doing it. You have to be in the race to win the race. You have to get off the bleachers to win the race. You can't even run in the race if you're not in the race. And you definitely can't win the race if you're not in the race. And too many of us as Christians are sitting on the bleachers going, Woo, woo, go, go, go. That's why sometimes I feel like that. I feel like I'm... I'm uh, our band and me. Sometimes I feel like we're your entertainment. Like you're you're coming to church and you're going, man, go, Pastor David, go. I think one preacher said, I just feel like I'm going to church and everybody's watching me burn. But it's not about us, the occupational ministry people doing our jobs. This is to us. This is not a job. This is a calling. So what I'm saying to you and to myself. I'm not listen. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I don't also shouldn't be a dedicated, committed Christian. We got too far too many pastors who are not dedicated Christians. Are are y'all with me? What we need to be are people who say, "Hey, I'm selling out. I'm selling. I'm giving myself." totally to the cause of Christ, totally to what God wants for me, totally to Jesus' plan for my life. I'm not sitting on the bleachers watching the race. I'm getting in the race. I'm going to run the race. And not only that, but I'm going to train for the race so that when I run the race, I'll be running to win. The second thing is, if you want to have a winning attitude, is number two, got to get around others who have a winning attitude. Everybody say Others. How many of you ever been around somebody who just has a poor attitude? Is anybody in here? <laughs> How many of y'all have been around somebody with a poor attitude? Yeah. All right, good. It's okay to talk back to me. This is a talk back church. We, you don't have to be silent. We're not in a library. Bad attitude is, it just gets on you. How many of you, I remember when I would get around certain kids and I'd come home, my dad said, boy, I can tell you, you've been around. How many of you have ever said that to your kids? Because you get around certain people and it just drags you down. Listen, this is why the church is so important. You know the, you know, the best thing? We, we do outreach all the time, literally, Summit Churches. That's what we're known for in this community. We do outreach all the time. We're always reaching out. But do you know the best thing we could give this community? is what's happening right now. The gathering of the believers, praying together, encouraging one another, lifting up our worship, our hands, because we need to be getting around that winning attitude. We need to be getting around that faith-filled attitude. I need to come up and get prayer from some people who are going to believe God will do what his word says. To do You can't be around that ugliness, that negativity, that constant defeated mentality. I know so many Christians that they have allowed their theology in, or the lack of good theology to cause them to be defeatist. They almost act as if God doesn't want to do good things for his people or doesn't want to do miracles. The question you have to ask yourself if you're going to run to win is who's on your team And are the people on your team, are you building your community in the household of faith? Are you building your community on people who don't even understand the household of faith? doesn't mean that we don't reach for people who don't know Jesus. doesn't mean that we don't evangelize the people who don't know Jesus. But our close team has to be those people who are trying to run this race to win as well. Number three, you have to confront your own personal bad defeatist attitude. (laughs) <laughs> that sounded horrible. But what we have to do is change our perspective and start seeing with a God perspective instead of a human perspective. Start seeing what God wants to do with our life instead of what we see our life to be. We need to start seeing through the eyes of faith, the eyes that cause you to think on a different level and think with the concepts that God thinks with. You know, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So we need to be praying, God, God, Help me to think like you think. See obstacles as opportunities. In other words, when you have an obstacle in your life, don't look at it as something that's standing in your way. Look at the opportunity that God's giving you in it. You have to have a mindset that says, I see problems as possibilities, so I'm facing a problem. So I'm facing an issue. My God is bigger. My God is greater. He will help me to overcome. We have to have that mindset that turn tests into testimonies. Uh, so many of the time we just look at the test and we go, I don't want to go through this. I don't want to have to deal with this. Why am I having to go through it? Instead of saying, God, show me, give me the testimony. And when you come out on the other side of it after taking that test and you can say to everybody, God kept me, God helped me, God led me. Come on, somebody, are you with me? David and Goliath is a good example of this. I'm not going to go into the story. Most of you would probably know it. But David's perspective on Goliath wasn't like everybody else's perspective on Goliath. Everybody else's perspective on Goliath was he's too big, he's too awesome, he's too intimidating, we're going to go hide in our tents and let our knees knock together. The Bible literally says their knees knock together. Listen, when your knees are knocking together, you are scared, somebody. Have you ever been that scared where like you just wham? I mean, it, it, it is. That's scary. And that's how they viewed Goliath. But David had been through some things. David was protecting the sheep and a bear had tried to come and get him. And God gave him the power to kill that bear. And David was protecting those sheep and a lion tried to come and get him. And God gave him the power to overcome that lion. And so now when David is standing before this 9-foot, almost 10-foot giant, that spearhead weighed 25 pounds and his whole shield and, 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 and suit of armor that he had was unbelievable if he was to throw his spirit you it would send you launch you into eternity i mean this was an unbelievable situation he was a great warrior david was fighting someone who was the best at what he did and everyone was afraid of him but david didn't seem that way why because david's mindset was like god's mindset he was in this race to win, He wasn't just in this race to run, he was in this race to win. And what did he do? He took the weapons God gave him, his slingshot, his stones, and he brought the giant down. While everyone else was saying the giant is too big to fight, David was saying the giant is too big to miss. The second component to running the race to win is you have to know what race you're running. I remember when we were running this race, Gary and I were running the race at, uh, um, out at Paladura Canyon, which he finished, by the way, and I almost finished. How, many, how, how, how long did you finish? 15, 15 miles? Is that what it was? Yeah. I got, tw- I got 12.2 in. And then I unburdened myself of all the liquids and food that I'd had for days. <laughs> but... I remember we were on that first part of that race and let me tell you it's a hard one. And there are all kinds of people, I mean hundreds of people out there running with you and it's crazy feeling. And the first part of the race is just mostly straight up. So there's a thousand feet elevation in really rough terrain. And I mean you're running and you're you're trying to go and there's people all around you and you're trying not to trip. You can barely ever look up because if you look up, you're gonna fall down. And so you kind of got your head down and you're running and people are running around you and it's rough and it's tumble. And so we got to this place. The first six miles is just straight up. I mean, and just rough. And I remember we got to the place where that ends. I don't know if you've ever been out there, but the rock the garden of what is it called? The rock garden. The rock garden, it ends and you start going down, and it flattens out for you. And I mean, we were right Right there, and there was a guy, and he was obviously a great runner. He was way better than me, and he was running beside me. And then he ran. He said, "Man, he said, man, listen, listen. He said, listen, I'm from out of town, and he said, is it is the is the rest of this like this?"